Hello, and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm Sherry Hoyt, and I'm your host. Today, I'm talking with Peter Hoyer, author of Characters on the Green, a humorous look at the people encountered during his decades-long love affair with the game of golf. Before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Peter. Peter Hoyer was born and raised in New York State, about 40 miles north of New York City. He graduated from the Citadel Military College of South Carolina, then served a 22-year career with the Army, traveling throughout the United States, Europe, and South Korea. After retiring from the Army, he worked 20 more years as a civilian instructor with the Department of Defense, teaching logistics, transportation, and military tactics. Peter holds two master's degrees from Webster University and Troy State University in the study of human relations and human resource management. Peter is married with two children and two grandchildren and lives in Calabash, North Carolina. Characters on the Green is his first published book. For more information on Peter and his book, visit his website at charactersonthegreen.com. Well, hi, Peter. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Well, thank you, Sherry, and uh, thanks for inviting me in. Yeah, I've been looking forward to talking with you. Uh, Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Characters on the Green? Well, Characters on the Green uh, is about uh, golf. It's about the game of golf, but not how to play the game of golf. It's about people you meet playing golf and all the zany characters and all the crazy things that you encounter on the golf course. Uh, The subtitle is Everyday Golfers Are the Real Character of the Game. And I use the, uh, the term character kind of a, a double meaning there. In other words, the character of the game of golf are the people that play it. Uh-huh. It's not necessarily the, uh, the golf balls or the, the location necessarily or uh, the equipment, but it's the, the people that play it really make up the character of the game. Yeah, I see. And, and what inspired you to put all those stories together uh, into a book? Well, I played golf off and on for the last 40 years. And uh, after one particular round of golf, my friend and I played this round with this stranger that first time we'd met him and played with him. And at first, he didn't want to play with us. Uh, you could tell he was kind of uh, in his own league, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, he, was a, he was a real knucklehead. Um, <laughs> as we played the round, he realized that we're not that bad, you know. And we got along really well. And then finally, by the 15th hole, he turned back into uh, the character, you know, um, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Okay, he turned into a, a real knucklehead again, huh. and then he drove off. He drove off the course with our beer. He had, to, he had we had our beer in the cart. So after we finished the round, a friend and I sat in the uh, 19th hole having a drink, and he says, "You know, the people we play with would make real interesting stories." And I said, "You know what? You're right." So that's how I got started on this. I, then I started to, to dream up all the people I've played with over the years, and that's how it came into being. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. I love that. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> husband golfs several times a week, and I play maybe once a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. Of course, I don't play to get mm-hmm. better or anything. I just play to have fun. But, yeah, he always comes home with some interesting stories. Half the people he meets are interesting and half of them are like oh my gosh how am i going to get through this <laughs> exactly yeah so you, and, and if i played with you you'd be one of the characters in my next book oh no well good thing i live a couple <laughs> states away <laughs> so characters on the green is uh, like you said it's a funny look at golf and and life in general uh, where do you get your sense of humor 
And how does that come through in your writing style? Well, my sense of humor comes from my family. I grew up with a large uh, family. My, uh, I have two, four brothers and two sisters. And back in those days, growing up, um, we all just enjoyed each other's company, had a lot of fun. You know, those are back in the days when you had uh, on TV, you had uh, Ozzie and Harriet and Leave it to Beaver and, and some of those funny shows. Mm-hmm. And we'd watch those shows and it, it, would, it was kind of ingrained in us. But especially my mother, she was really uh, just had, had the sense of humor and would come up with all kinds of sayings and so forth. She had to with seven kids. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, she, <laughs> she, she, she couldn't tell the lie all the time, but she had to with seven kids kind of let us do our thing. So right. that's where the sense of humor comes from, my family, especially the mom. And as far as um, putting this in writing style, I just, uh, as I think about it, I write it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I put this book together. As I think about these funny stories, I just start writing. And it, again, it comes from uh, long-time uh, family values. Yeah. That sounds like a good way to do it because if you sit down and you stress about, oh, what am I going to write about? Uh, it's probably not likely to happen, but as you recall the stories from your experiences and just write them down as they come to you, that, that sounds like a more, um, I guess, an easier way to get something on the page. Well, I agree. As, as I look at the computer screen, I'm trying to write something. If, if it doesn't come to me, you, you get the writer's block. I mean, you, you get kind of, at least I do, I get kind of frozen up like, what am I going to say next? But if I write something down as I think about it, whether it's day or night, uh, even in the middle of the night, I, I take notes as I think about things as my mind is wandering. And that's the way I put things on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did it take you to write Characters on the Green? Well, believe it or not, I started January 2nd of that year. And um, it was published a year and a half later. Wow. So it took, as far as the writing goes, uh, I guess I had all these thoughts in my head at the time. And I just started to uh, flow really good. But uh, as far as writing, it probably took uh, at, least, at least 12 months, 13 months. And then, of course, had it edited twice right. and then went to the publisher and got, that, got it done. So about a year and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't sound like a long time, actually. That sounds pretty fast. So well before you became an author, uh, you had a distinguished military career. Uh, did you always know you wanted to make the military your career? And if so, how did that come about? Well, not necessarily. Um, not especially that I want to make a military career, but uh, as I went to college, my grades were pretty good. And so I was offered an uh, Army ROTC scholarship my second year. Mm. And it looked pretty appealing, especially they were going to pay for college for the next uh, two or three years. The obligation was four years active duty, which I signed up for. Mm-hmm. But uh, during those four years, uh, I enjoyed the organizational aspects of the military. I enjoyed the, the structure, especially the travel. And it shows in my book, I traveled extensively uh, throughout Europe and across the United States and also in Korea. That's a whole other story. But um, <laughs> as, <laughs> as time went on, I, I enjoyed those aspects of the military. And then at about the 10-year mark in my career, I was kind of wondering, do I want to continue this or not? Uh, I think a lot of people get to that situation. Whatever their work is, they want to they kind of decide if they want to continue working or go into something else. Well, I met this uh, British Army major, and we had a chat. And he, he was uh, a grade above me, but we had a chat. And I said, well, what keeps you going? What, why are you still in the military? And he, and, and he gave me the, the words of wisdom. He says, you know what? I take it day by day. Mm. He said, don't worry about what's coming up in the future. I take it day by day. And I enjoy, if I enjoy that day, I go to the next day. So that's kind of what I did my last 10 years. If I, if I enjoyed it, I kept going. Yeah. 
That's a good way to look at life in general. Yeah. Now, Characters on the Green is not just limited to uh, stories about golfers. You also include some of uh, some stories about the people you met during your military career. Is that right? People ask me this a lot. They say, well, they see my book, they say, well, I don't play golf or I don't know anything about golf. And I say, that's great because you don't have to know anything about golf. This is about people and uh, human relations and interaction with people. And uh, also the situations they get into. There's some stories in here that are um, golf-related, but not exactly. In other words, there's one story that I picked up from Orange County, uh, California, where there was a wildfire in the canyons, and they decided the start of that wildfire was because this guy hit a rock with his titanium golf club, and it started a spark. Oh, my gosh. And uh, the actual story, uh, believe it or not, and they um, uh, checked it out. They did some research. They actually bought rocks into a lab, and they tested this out, tested out the theory. And the theory worked, apparently. Well, they had to bring all this stuff into a lab. They couldn't just go out to the golf course and reenact it, you know what I mean? So, right. so that's another situation that, that occurred, you know. And, and I, I embellished on that, of course, in the book. And it's, I think it's a funny story. Yeah. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Now, um, after you retired from the Army, you worked for 20 more years. What are some of the jobs you've held? And if any of those jobs over the years impacted your writing, can you give us an example or two? Sure. Yeah, the main job I had for another 20 years after the military job was uh, I was an uh, instructor uh, with the Department of the Army. I was a civilian instructor. Oh. And uh, I instructed uh, in formal classroom and outside the classroom, too. But I instructed Army officers and NCOs. And for that, when you're instructing, uh, if you ever taught anything, you're up there on the platform in front of 40 students or 50 students, you really have to provide explicit details. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very accurate to what you're telling them. Because if you don't, they'll pick up on that and you know they'll challenge you. So the point being that when you provide explicit details like that, that kind of carried over into my writing style in that I tried to give details to the average reader who may not be familiar with, with the golf term or, or that situation. So as an instructor or teacher, you really have to be pretty detailed, and that's what I tried to do in the book. I also was a uh, part-time ranger at a golf course, and kind of the same thing applies. You have to be very careful as far as talking to members of a golf course. Mm. And... Um, it kind of carries over to how I write also. I'm very careful about about how I present things. Yeah. Now, what does a ranger do exactly? Oh, the ranger on the golf course, he's the guy that rides around the golf course and uh, checks on the golfers, make sure they're keeping up, uh, ask them if they have any questions. Uh, and in a lot of golf courses, they'll have a container of water. So if, if it's summertime and you want to drink a water, you can get a drink of water. But it, their job is to uh, ensure that the, the course conditions are uh, working for the golfer and to keep the golf moving along. Most places they want you to play in four, four and a half hours, which I don't understand. I mean, you're out there enjoying yourself. What, what's the hurry? Right. But anyway, that's that's a that's a job of a ranger. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I've always wondered that mm-hmm. with the time limit. I guess you know, I feel like if people want to play fast, just let them go by you and keep playing at your own pace. But I, I guess the rules are there right. for a reason. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's an unwritten rule, really, when you get right down to it, the, mm-hmm. the amount of time that it takes to play. Yeah. You know, a lot of people like to play fast. A lot of people like don't, don't care. Like me, I don't care. I just play. 
Right. What's one of your more memorable experiences on the golf course? Oh, wow. In the book, um, I talked about 58 different characters, 58 different personalities, okay, and their situations. Uh, so I can go into each, each one of them. But uh, some of the highlights was um, this guy that I got together with, his name was Nick, and we played outside of New York City on that particular day. And Nick was Italian. You can just picture Nick with uh, middle-aged, slick, kind of grease back hair, yeah. straight back. And with the, with the, you know, with the New York accent, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so we're playing and uh, we're getting along real well. Now, when we're playing, it was windy, but not a, a strand of hair was out of, out of place on his head. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we're playing around and the foursome behind us got too close to us. He turns around and says, hey, what are you doing? You know, and, and, it, and it happened again a second time. He's, so he went back. He went back to those guys and he said, "Hey, you keep it up. I'll get my boys after you." Okay. <laughs> so I said, "Nick, I said, uh, what do you do for a living?" He says, "Well, I'm in I'm in sanitation. I'm I'm a uh, I'm a supervisor in sanitation in New York City." Okay. <laughs> so we're playing along. Finally, we're on the 18th hole, and he brings out a flask of whiskey. He says, "Here, have a sip." Now, at that at that point, I'm afraid not to take a sip of whiskey because <laughs> right. you know so. So I thought, all right, all right, Nick. So I took a sip. It was good. And said, yeah, have another sip. Okay. So sure enough, after that, I'm looking down the green at the last hole. Up on the hill was three guys. It was three of his boys. So I was afraid that if I didn't take that sip of whiskey, they'd come after me. But that's one example. Um, oh then I met Mr. D in Hawaii. We call him Mr. D. His last name was hard to pronounce. But Mr. Yeah. D worked for DuPont back many years ago. And uh, he had a... Uh, a house in Florida, Fort Lauderdale. He had a penthouse condo in Chicago, and he had a uh, a house on the beach in Hawaii. Wow. Now, Mr. D was rich, and we never really talked about that, but basically we, he wanted to play golf on a military golf course, which we did. And as we were finishing and coming up to uh, Oahu, he saw the pineapple fields. He says, pull over in the pineapple fields. I want to see how they grow. I said, okay. So pull in the pineapple field. He starts pulling the pineapple plant out of the ground. No. So he could take it home with him. I said, I said Mr. D, that's, that's a fine. I mean, they get, if you get caught, ah, and he started laughing. He had this laugh like uh, like Donald Duck in a, caught in a blender. Something <laughs> <laughs> like that. That's anyway, hilarious. that was Mr. D. So, uh, then there was another guy. Um, <laughs> look, I call him Hankenstein, another another weirdo. Nice, calm, collected guy on the golf course. He, he would throw clubs, throw the bag, threw the bag in the water once. That's another character. And then there was Ron Kruger. Now, I changed his last name because um, he was definitely different. He was not a golfer. Um, he showed up on the first tee with our foursome, and he had a bottle of scotch. And he says, hey, who wants to, who wants to take a sip? Uh, nobody did. It was, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning. Right. He says, he says well, I'm going to take a sip. So he, as we go around, he says, well, you know, you know how uh, there's – 18 holes on the golf course? No, Ron, we, we don't know how there's 18 <laughs> holes on the golf course. But, well, when they start when they started playing over in Scotland, they'd bring a bottle of whiskey, a bottle of scotch with them. And after every hole, they'd take a sip. He says, after 18 holes, they were out of scotch. So that's how they got the 18 holes. So they had, they had to quit. He says, but I'm here to prove him wrong. I'm here to prove him wrong. He said, I'm, I'm finished after 14 holes. Anyway, so that's Ron Kruger. And then there was uh, 
the three Patricks, all individuals. Uh, one guy threw his club in the creek. Another guy uh, got stuck in the mud. Another guy, he almost threw me out of the cart. He was driving. He drives like a maniac uh, in his golf cart. He almost threw me out of the cart twice. Inside Scoop Live is a global internet-based broadcast specializing in talking with published authors about their current books and their areas of expertise. Join us and hear both well-known and upcoming writers talking candidly about their life experience as well as the business of being an author in today's literary world. Always interesting and current, we strive to bring our audience high-quality discussions that spotlight a vast diversity of authors in the field today. Our interviews are available 24-7 through direct podcast, as well as MP3 download from your computer. Please visit us at InsideScoopLive.com. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Today I'm talking with Peter Hoyer, author of Characters on the Green. For more information on Peter and his book, visit his website at charactersonthegreen.com. But the one story that's not in the book is, um, uh, but I might put it in the next one. Uh, two years when the LPGA, uh, that's the ladies PGA, when they came to um, the Virginia area, I caddied two years in a row for them. And it was a blind draw kind of thing. Uh, where I put the name in the hat, and I was 10th to be drawn, and any, any golfer that, that needed a caddy, you would link up with that, with that person. So the, mm-hmm. so the 10th person that showed up was Beth Brown. Good golfer, obviously, but Beth w- was married to uh, the basketball head basketball coach of Kansas University at the time. So I'm caddying for Beth, having a good time. The following year, same thing happens. Now, Beth doesn't know me from anybody, but the following year, I have a different golfer that I'm caddying for, and I show up on the first tee, and she says right away, hey, Pete, how you doing? Now, to me, I mean, I don't know how how you do that, but to me, that was really nice of her to do that um, and to say that. But I'm sure it was one of the the incidences that she remembered as we were coming down the the ninth hole. It was a sunny day. I had uh, sunscreen on all over my face and the sunscreen melted and got in my corner of my eye. So when I was caddying with the bag, I couldn't see. I mean, I had one eye shut and the other eye squinting. I couldn't see. And at one point, at one point I'm, I'm turning around in circles, you know, and don't know where I'm going. But anyway, I think she remembered that kind of situation with me, but there are other, other situations. Um, friend of mine and I, we went down to uh, Kiowa Island, which is in South Carolina, and they had the uh, PGA there that year. We went down, and they have a beautiful clubhouse that overlooks the Atlantic Ocean. And people were there all dressed up and everything. So we we went in and ordered at the bar. We ordered a couple drinks. He said, okay. He said, I'll bring them out to you. Okay. He said, what name should I I bring them out to? I said, uh, I'm just being kind of goofy, I guess. I said, "Uh, bring it to Tiger Woods. (laughs) <laughs> so a little, a little while later, he comes out with a tray. You can imagine his tray lifted up. He's got a couple of drinks on there. He's looking around and he says, uh, drinks for Tiger Woods. And everybody looks around. <laughs> Everybody's looking around like, Tiger Woods here. But uh, anyway, I don't riot. know the leader's name. But 
That was, that, yeah, I started right. That was a fun time. Those are some of the people that, I, that I've come across. A lot more, like I said, are, that are listed and, and embellished on in the book. Oh, my gosh. Those are great. You definitely have no shortage of material. And, and you mentioned another book earlier. Uh, do you have another project currently in the works? I do. As a matter of fact, I have two uh, that are in the works. I have uh, the next, next one's going to be a sequel, well, kind of, uh, based on the 58 characters. It's going to be uh, Murder on the Green tentative title oh. uh one of the one of these uh zany characters that nobody likes is going to be murdered and the all the others in the current book are going to be suspects so i'm going to go oh. through that process i'm i'm halfway through i've got 12 chapters written looking at probably 24 chapters the other one i was just started on every every time i mention the book to people around here they say well why don't you do a local one so the next one is going to be uh, characters on the green Myrtle Beach edition, because oh, nice. everybody wants to know about this look. You know, Myrtle Beach being a, a prime location for golf on the East Coast. So I'm going to have a Myrtle Beach edition one of these days. Yeah. So I expect yeah. the first the Murder on the Green to be out uh, uh, probably at least by this time next year. I hope. Yeah. I love that. That's a great idea. Um, because characters on the green is true story, basically. Yes. So you're going to take all those characters and turn it into fiction, which it will be a little different, sounds like, for you. Yes, it's going to be very different. And I'm doing my research on it now. Uh, basically, how uh, police departments work. Uh, I'm going to have to call in um, the feds, uh, the FBI on this one. So I'm, I already um, contacted several people here that were former uh, police or, or FBI and they're going to give me some insight as far as uh, how that how the inner workings of that work. So I'm doing my research, but uh, it's going to be based, like I said, it's going to be based primarily on these characters and the trouble they get into, and somebody's going to be murdered. It's going to be a murder mystery, but I'm going to include some humor in it too. Hmm. I love that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Thank you. Did you self-publish, or did you have a traditional publisher? I went with independent press. Uh, okay. I tried, uh, I sent out query letters to uh, 50 uh, publishers or agents of publishers. That was uh, over three years ago, and uh, I still haven't heard back from some of them. Uh, wow. You know, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And there were some that answered right away, and they were very nice. They answered right away. We're not, we're not interested in that genre of book. Okay. And then there was one that wrote back, said, okay, this was, I wrote them in January and I heard back from them in, in November of that year. Mm. And there was one that, there was one that uh, wrote me back and said, uh, well, we'll look at yours in August. Well, okay. All right. Well, because of all that, I, I said, you know what, I'm more uh, energetic than that. I want to get this book done. So I, I went to an independent publisher got right. done that way through Hatsuko Express. Yeah. With so many authors um, independently published, I, I just I really like that option. Uh, you got to do uh, more of the work yourself, but it sounds like you're real active. Like you do a lot of uh, local book promotion. Yes, yes, that, that spot on. Because uh, so far, I, I've done eight book signings, uh, different locations. Mm. I uh, I attend craft fairs, which I was told over a year ago that that's the way to go around here. I'm in North Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. But that's the way to go to these craft fairs, and I do that in order to um, to, to market. Just in, even if I don't sell a whole lot, but I market and gets the word out. And matter of fact, there was a guy I played golf with and his and his wife. They're from South Carolina, and uh, 
played golf with him a year and a half ago. And somehow, somehow the subject came up. I handed him my card, and a year and a half later, uh, he bought the book. And then he called me because he had my number, and he he wanted some tips on how to go about writing a book. I get that frequently. Also, how did you how'd you go about it? Uh, give me some tips. There was a guy that I met at one of the craft fairs, and uh, he just started writing. He he was from out of uh, New York City, I think he said, but. Uh, he just started writing and asked me if I could review what he's written so far. So he sent me a couple of chapters and, you know, I gave him some help on that, I think. And, and there's a lot of stories like that, but there was another person I went to high school with. I haven't talked to her in quite a while, but on Facebook, she said she has a book coming out. So she called me and asked me about how to go about getting this published and so forth. I had a market and so forth like that. So, so I like to help others out because I've been through that road already. And, right. and it, I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful in the, in the uh, writing community that you that you do those things to help each other. So, so that's kind of what I what I've been up to. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it it sounds like um, you enjoyed the marketing aspect of it. Where a, a lot of writers I've talked to don't like that part because I guess it's stereotypical. But a lot of writers are kind of introverted, so the marketing is hard. But doesn't sound like you have that problem. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I do. Um, well, like I said before, I was an instructor in front of a lot of students mm. at any given time. You can't have stage fright when you do that. That's so, um, and I like to be more outgoing and so forth. So I don't have any problem with going to these, uh, the, go to these craft fairs or doing book signings and so forth. You know, I kind of enjoy it. Actually, you meet you meet different people, and, you, and it's it's great for marketing. Also, even if they don't, right. they look at it and walk away. It's still marketing, so it's it's yeah. a good thing. You know. Yeah. There was a guy uh, at one of the craft fairs recently. He came walking by, and he had a cane. Now he didn't need a cane. He wasn't hobbling, but he had this cane. And I just <laughs> saw him there. He came over to the booth, and I said, "Hey, I like your cane." He said, "I'm gonna get you one." Well, what he does is he, he makes these himself. He makes oh. the canes just, just to give them away. I said, okay. So two days go by. He comes by, keeps coming by, and he says, I'm going to get you a cane. So anyway, he got me a cane, and it's very nice. Uh, well, you know, I don't need a cane, but it, it's, it's nice to have. And he, he says, this cane was his, – his son is in Hollywood. His son is an actor. And this cane that he gave me was a prop in one of the, the uh, shows or series that his son was in. Oh, wow. Uh, I thought that was cool. I gave him a book and he's, and he's going to read it and then give it to his son who's an avid golfer. So, so it's all about marketing, I think. I think yeah. So. Yeah. So you, you never know who you're going to meet. So, and that leads me to another question. You obviously meet a lot of people. If, if there was one person that you could meet in the past or present and spend some time with, who would that be and why? Well, that's, that's a real good question. And a lot of people would say they'd like to meet uh, Jesus Christ. And maybe one of these days I will, you know what I mean? Um, hopefully, uh, and, uh, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, and other people say they, they like to meet Hitler well that's overdone everybody wants to meet Hitler that bum uh, mm. but I would like to I'd like to meet uh, former president John F. Kennedy he was uh, president when I was a teenager and um, I, I like to ask him a lot of questions especially uh, things like what was it like to uh, talk to uh, and meet world leaders uh, what kind yeah. of characters were they 
and uh, things like, how would you, President Kennedy, like to ha- would have handled the, the crisis that you were involved with differently, like the Bay of Pigs crisis? How would you do that differently now that you know what happened? And uh, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, and also dealing with Castro, how would you do that differently? Uh, and also, I like to know because he was he was popular with the Hollywood elites. I like to know, you know, how that behind the scenes, how that how he dealt with those people. You know the Sinatras yeah. and the Marilyn Monroe's and, and so forth. I like to like to sit down and chat with him about that. Maybe one of these days up there I will. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's such a prominent figure in history. Have you have you done a lot of research on him, or are you just curious? Uh, just curious, really. Uh, like I said, he was president for a very short time when I was a teenager, and I can remember in eighth grade. Uh, I was in a, a Catholic elementary school, and the, the brother who was teaching, he stepped out, came back in. He said, uh, "He said we're all going to stop now. We're going to we're going to pray. What's going on?" He said, "Our president was just shot." So that that has a you know significance to me. Everybody, I think most people remember where they were when that happened, when an incident like that happened, and I remember right. that distinctly. You know where, where we were when President Kennedy was shot. Oh, yeah, and you were at just the right age for it to leave an impression for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 Well, Pete, we could probably go on for quite a bit, but we've got to wrap things up. And I like to ask the same question at the end of each interview, and that is, uh, what advice can you give to aspiring authors? I would tell any aspiring writers to just write what you're thinking at the time. You can clean it up later. In other words, one mistake I think I made was I tried to write for everybody, tried to put a sentence in that everybody would would uh, agree to, not to, yeah, that's a good sentence. But I think you have to write uh, not for everybody, because my book may not be for everybody. Um, write what you know and write as you think it, and then put it down and you can always clean it up later on. So... If you're just starting out, you got a blank piece of paper in front of you, just start writing. Let the thoughts flow if you can. If you want to do an outline, that's fine too. Do an outline, but just let the thoughts, uh, just let them flow. And um, be more patient than I was. <laughs> I, I'm just not patient enough. But you got to be patient in this game. I would say uh, to everybody, uh, whether you're writing or not, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Sometimes sometimes you run across people who, who think different things and think that they're better, you know, and so forth. But just be yourself, no matter what you're doing. And uh, things will work out just fine. Yeah. So when you're writing, just be yourself. Use your own writing style. Don't worry about what, you know, James Patterson has done or, or any of the other guys. Uh, uh, my One of my favorites is Lee Childs. You know, he he writes kind mm-hmm. of the style that I would that I would enjoy. But uh, just, just write. Be yourself, and 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 uh, don't worry about what others think, because you're going to get critics. You're definitely going to get critics, no matter what it is. So, yeah. and again, your your topic may not be for everybody. So, just uh, write what you know. Be passionate about it, and uh, again, just be yourself. Perfect. So, Pete, thank you so much for joining me today. It's it's been a lot of fun. Sherry, it was it was a pleasure talking to you, and. Um, I hope uh, hope the audience enjoys it. Anyway, thanks for inviting me in, and I uh, uh, hope everybody has a great day out there. To our listeners, 
Thank you for joining me today on Inside Scoop Live for my interview with Peter Hoyer. To learn more about Peter and his book, Characters on the Green, visit his website at charactersonthegreen.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.